Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 146 of the Bible Reading Podcast. Today's big Bible question, how do we conquer the evil one? So hello, friends. Welcome to the beginning of the long weekend. Some of you guys will be headed out to newfound freedom this week. And some of the rest of us are still stuck in quarantine. Pour a Mountain Dew out for us quarantiners as you go out into the real world again. And, you know, be careful and wise. Today's Bible readings include Numbers chapter 32, Psalms chapter 77, Isaiah 24, and 1 John chapter 2. And our focus passage is indeed in 1 John 2 and comes right from an interesting little poetic feature at the end of the chapter. So let's read the chapter and see if you can pick up the key to overcoming the evil one. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing to you these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. He himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. This is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've heard from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light but hates his brother or sister is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, since your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have conquered the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have come to know the one who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong. God's word remains in you, and you have conquered the evil one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one who does the will of God remains forever. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming... Even now many antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. 
If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. I've written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it is taught you, remain in him. So now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. How have these young men conquered the evil one? Well, I think the clue is in the line right before the statement, the word of God lives in them. How did Jesus overcome the evil one in the desert of his temptation? Well, the exact same way. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And he answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, Jesus overcame the enemy, the evil one, by the word of God, again and again and again. How do we overcome the enemy? By the word of God. The word of God is an offensive weapon, as is mentioned many times in the scripture. And so today I'd like to talk about 10 things we may not fully know or appreciate by the word of God, about the word of God. So number one, the word of God is living and active. It's biological almost. It has life and it brings life. The word of God is alive and pulsing with power and truth. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Number two, in some way, a strange way to be sure, the word of God is Jesus. For instance, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Revelation nineteen twelve. his eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. So, again, somehow, some way, because the Word is Jesus, when we partake of the Word of God, the Bible, we are partaking of Jesus. Now, I need to be clear. Jesus is not the Bible. The Bible is not Jesus. But the Word of God is so present in the Bible that, and, and Jesus is called the Word of God. That's his name. So, somehow, some way, uh, for instance, when I read the telltale heart, I'm not encountering somehow, some way, Edgar Allan Poe. When I read Huckleberry Finn, I'm not encountering Samuel Langhorne Clemens. But when we read the Bible, because it is the living and active Word of God, and because Jesus is the Word of God, in somehow, some way, we are encountering Jesus. Number three, salvation actually comes in some way through the Word. James 1.18 he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation. So, number four, 
the word washes us and makes us holy. Yes, of course, God does that. Jesus does that. The Holy Spirit in particular does that. But as we see in John 15, 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Or Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. Let me give you a little story illustration of this. This is from uh, Augustine's Confessions. Um, when Augustine was with his best friend, Alepius, he was talking with him about, uh, I think it was the Egyptian monk, Antony, and he was stung by his in the midst of that, talking about this great holy man of God, Antony, Augustine or Augustine was stung by his bondage to lust and sin, while others were absolutely free and holy in Christ. And so it says, there was a small garden attached to the house where we lodged. I now found myself driven, says Augustine, by the tumult in my breast to take refuge in the garden where no one could interrupt the fierce struggle in which I was my own contestant. I was beside myself with madness that would bring me sanity. I was dying a death that would bring me life. I was frantic, overcome by violent anger with myself for not accepting your will, God, and entering into your covenant. I tore my hair and hammered my forehead with my fists. I locked my fingers and hugged my knees. I flung myself beneath a fig tree, says Augustine, and gave way to the tears which now streamed from my eyes. In my misery, I kept crying, How long shall I go on saying tomorrow, tomorrow? Why not now? Why not make an end of my ugly sins at this moment? In other words, Augustine was crying out to God to heal his heart. And in the midst of doing that, while he was crying, he actually heard the voice of a child singing, Take it and read, take it and read, take it and read. And Augustine says, at this, I looked up thinking hard whether there was any kind of game in which children used to chant words like this, but I couldn't ever remember hearing such a game before. I stemmed my flood of tears and stood up telling myself that this could only be a divine command to open my book of scripture and read the first passage on which my eyes should fall. Friends, people have been doing this since the days of Augustine. Uh, 1,600 years ago. So Augustine grabbed his book of Paul's letters, flipped open its pages, and rested his eyes on Romans 13, 13 through 14, which says, Not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And he says, I had no wish to read more and no need to do so. For in an instant, as I came to the end of the sentence, it was though the light of confidence flooded in my heart and all the darkness of doubt was dispelled. So Augustine found himself literally washed by the supernatural word of God. And he was delivered from this besetting sin by the living Word of God. That's pretty fascinating. All right, number five thing you may not fully appreciate about the Word. Keeping the Word of God is one of the primary fruits or proofs of being a follower of God. For instance, we already read in this passage, 1 John 2, 3-6, through this is how we know that we know Him if we keep His commands. 
The one who says, I have come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. How do we know we're in him? By keeping his word. Uh, Revelation 22.8 says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. In other words, that angel identified followers of God as those who keep the words of the book. Number six in 10 things we don't fully appreciate about the word. The word of God is a key to intimacy and relationship with Jesus and the Father. Again, the word is not Jesus and the Father, but it is living and active. It is somehow, some way soaked in the presence of Jesus. And as John fourteen twenty three tells us, the word of God facilitates, mediates, brings us into a deeper relationship. Well, let's let's read the passage. Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. So when we keep the word of Jesus and we love Jesus, well, the Father and the Son will come to us and make our home, make their home in us. That's pretty awesome. Number seven, the word of God causes faith to come to us. Romans ten seventeen. consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Number eight. The word is a key to being mighty in prayer and fruitful as a Christian. John fifteen seven says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. That's pretty strong right there. Number nine, holding on to the word of God firmly is the key to persevering. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 2. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. Finally, number 10, and of keynote importance to our question today, how do we overcome the evil one? Well, the answer is via the word of God, because the number 10 thing we may not fully appreciate about the word of God It is an offensive weapon in spiritual warfare, as Paul says in Ephesians 6.16. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Or how about Revelation 1, verse 12 through 16? I turned around, that's John speaking, to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. 
Three times in scripture, we see the word of God is a sword. And it says his face was shining like the sun in all its brilliance. So again, back to the question, how do we overcome the evil one? The answer is exactly the same way that Jesus himself did. When tempted by the evil one, Jesus answered with the word of God. When we are beset in any way by the evil one, we answer with the word of God. We cling to the word of God. We proclaim the word of God. We feast on the daily bread of the word of God, and we live among it and live by it strengthening us because It's not merely words on a page. It is the living, active word of God. So we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, says Revelation, and also by the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. May you and I, friends, uh, learn this lesson and walk in it. May we wield the word of God with the power that comes from the Lord and the precision that comes from months, weeks, years, hours pouring over the word and being illuminated and it being illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Well, let's keep reading. Numbers chapter 32, verse 1. The Reubenites and Gadites, who had very large herds and flocks, saw that the lands of Jatser and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar the prince and to the, the priest and to the leaders of the community and said, Atcharoth, Dibon, Jatser, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliela, Sebam, Nebo, and Beon. The land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel are suitable for livestock, and your servants have livestock. If we found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Don't make us cross the Jordan. Moses said to the Gadites and Reubenites, should your fellow Israelites go to war while you sit here? Why do you discourage the Israelites from crossing over into the land the Lord has given them? This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to look over the land. After they went up to the valley of Eshcol and viewed the land, they discouraged the Israelites from entering the land the Lord had given them. The Lord's anger was aroused that day, and he swore this oath because they have not followed me wholeheartedly. Not one of those who were twenty years old or more when they came up out of Egypt will see the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No one, not one except Caleb son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua son of Nun, for they followed the Lord wholeheartedly. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years and until the whole generation of those who had done evil in his sight was gone. And here we are, a brood of sinners, standing in the place of your fathers and making the Lord even more angry with Israel. If you turn away from following him, he will again leave all this people in the wilderness, and you will be the cause of their destruction. Then they came up to him and said, We would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children. But we will arm ourselves for battle and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their place. Meanwhile, our women and children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of the Israelites has received their inheritance. We will not receive any inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan because our inheritance has come to us on the east side of Jordan. Then Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will arm yourselves before the Lord for battle, and if all of you who are armed cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven his enemies out before him, then when the land is subdued before the Lord, you may return and be free from your obligation to the Lord and to Israel, and this land will be your possession before the Lord. But 
If you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Build cities for your women and children, and pens for your flocks, but do what you have promised. And the Gadites and Reubenites said to Moses, We, your servants, will do as our Lord commands. Our children and wives, our flocks and herds, will remain here in the cities of Gilead. But your servants, every man who is armed for battle, will cross over to fight before the Lord, just as our Lord says. Then Moses gave orders about them to Eleazar the priest and Joshua son of Nun, and to the family heads of the Israelite tribes. He said to them, If the Gadites and Reubenites, every man armed for battle, cross over the Jordan with you before the Lord, then when the land is subdued before you, you must give them the land of Gilead as their possession. But if they do not cross over with you armed, they must accept their possession with you in Canaan. The Gadites and Reubenites answered, Your servants will do what the Lord has said. We will cross over before the Lord into Canaan armed, but the property we inherit will be on this side of the Jordan. Then Moses gave to the Gadites, the Reubenites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the whole land with its cities and the territory around them. The Gadites built up Deban, Atarath, Ararar, Atroth Shofan, Jatzer, Jogbaha, Beth Nimrah, and Beth Haran as fortified cities, and built pens for their flocks. And the Rebanites rebuilt Heshbon, Eliela, and Kiriathame, as well as Nebo and Baal Meon. These names were changed. And Sibma. They gave names to the cities they rebuilt. The descendants of Machir, son of Manasseh, went to Gilead, captured it, and drove out the Amorites who were there. So Moses gave Gilead to the Machirites, the descendants of Manasseh, and they settled there. Jair, a descendant of Manasseh, captured their settlements and called them Havoth Jair. And Nobah captured Kenoth and its surrounding settlements and called it Nobah after himself. Psalm chapter 77 verse 1. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refuse to be comforted. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. Selah. You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. I consider days of old, years long past. At night I remember my music. I meditate in my heart and my spirit ponders. Will the Lord reject forever and never again show favor? Has his faithful love ceased forever? Is his promise in an end for all generations? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Selah. So I say I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God? You are the God who works wonders. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The water saw you, God, the water saw you, it trembled, even the depths shook. The clouds poured down water, the storm clouds thundered, your arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind, lightning lit up the world. The earth shook and quaked, your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water, but your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Isaiah 24 Verse 1, 
Look, the Lord is stripping the earth bare and making it desolate. He will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants, people and priest alike, servant and master, female servant and mistress, buyer and seller, lender and borrower, creditor and debtor. The earth will be stripped completely bare and will be totally plundered. For the Lord has spoken this message. The earth mourns and withers. The world wastes away and withers. The exalted people of the earth waste away. The earth is polluted by its inhabitants, for they have transgressed teachings, overstepping decrees, and broken the permanent covenant. Therefore a curse has consumed the earth, and its inhabitants have become guilty. The earth's inhabitants have been burned, and only a few survive. The new wine mourns, the vine withers, all the carousers now groan. The joyful tambourines have ceased, the noise of the jubilant has stopped, the joyful lyre has ceased. They no longer sing and drink wine. Beer is bitter to those who drink it. The city of chaos is shattered. Every house is closed to entry. In the streets they cry for wine. All joy grows dark. Earth's rejoicing goes into exile. Only desolation remains in the city. Its gates has collapsed in ruins, for this is how it will be on earth among the nations, like a harvested olive tree, like a gleaning after a grape harvest. They raise their voices, they sing out, they proclaim in the west the majesty of the Lord. Therefore, in the east, honor the Lord. In the coasts and islands of the west, honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. From the ends of the earth we hear songs, the splendor of the righteous one. But I said, I waste away, I waste away, woe is me. The treacherous act treacherously. The treacherous deal very treacherously. Panic, pit, and trap await you who dwell on the earth. Whoever flees at the sound of panic will fall into a pit, and whoever escapes from the pit will be caught in a trap. For the floodgates on high are opened, and the foundations of the earth are shaken. The earth is completely devastated. The earth is split open. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunkard and sways like a hut. Earth's rebellion weighs it down, and it falls never to rise again. On that day, the Lord will punish the army of the heights and the heights, and the kings of the ground on the ground. They will be gathered together like prisoners in a pit. They will be confined to a dungeon. After many days, they will be punished. The moon will be put to shame and the sun disgraced because the Lord of armies will reign as king on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and he will display his glory in the presence of his elders. Yes, the Lord of armies indeed will reign as king. Blessed be his name. May the Lord build you up, my friends, and bless you and keep you safe. May the word of God edify you and point you towards Jesus. Good day to you and Godspeed.